press, like press against your ears. Welcome to episode 31 of the ADD Cast. I'm Paul Fisher, your host, and I'm coming to you from beautiful Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. I'm going to be presenting to you the racier bits of an interview I did with J.R. Blackwell at Balticon 40. J.R. is an amazing woman. She's an author, a podcaster, a costumer, she's drop-dead gorgeous, and she's got her master's degree and is working on her Ph.D. as well. The less salacious bits will be played on the Balticon podcast, which I will hopefully be getting out next week. But you can tell by the talk of breasts being pressed up against my head. Got to pause while I envision that. That this content would violate the family-friendly rating that we keep for the Balticon podcast. If you like what you hear and want more, you can tune in to the Balticon podcast's next episode for the rest of the interview with J.R. Blackwell. The reason for my trip here is an assignment for my day job. I'm doing a little work with Cisco Systems. I'm supposed to be down here evaluating some equipment we want to purchase, but that got a little off track. I planned on spending some time with friends of mine in the area, and that got off to a great start when I had dinner Wednesday night with Mer Lafferty, Jim Van Verth, and their daughter Fiona. Mer is the goddess of all things podcasting, Jim does the Vintage Gamer podcast and was recently picked up as a segment for Michael and Evo's Winging It. We had a lovely sushi dinner Wednesday night when I first arrived, and Thursday morning I was praying to the porcelain goddess giving it all back from both ends. Murr and Jim have explained the creeping crud that's been going around here a few weeks back. And they were telling true. That was the worst 36 hours my intestines have endured in many years. This is not something you really want to experience. Martha's getting on a plane now to come join me for the weekend. We're going to visit with our friends Frank and Alona, and also with Murr and Jim and Jason and his wife, Wren. That's Jason Adams of the Random Signal podcast. So I'm working real hard to make sure that this hotel room has all the creeping crud cleaned out of it, and I'm resting up so I won't be too obnoxious. I'm still tired from the creeping crud myself. I've also arranged for two alternate places for Martha to stay if she thinks I might be contagious. The last thing she needs is to be sick, as sick as I was. I'm truly amazed at how many people down here were concerned for my health. Not just Murr and Jim, but the hotel staff and the staff I was working with at Cisco. Everyone offered sympathy and help. They even offered to drive my car back home if I wasn't up to it. This really got me thinking that North Carolina could beat out Texas for that special place in my heart where the nicest people in the world live. 
I was really touched by the outpouring of concern, and that makes me feel good. That makes me feel really good. In other news this week, Joe Murphy from the Dragon Page and Farpoint Media is probably in surgery as I'm reading this to you. Murr and Jim and Jason and Ren and Martha and me are planning on calling him tomorrow night to see how he's feeling and to let him know that we hope he gets well soon. If you'd like to send Joe get well wishes, you can do it too. Winging It listener Alan Smith has created a voicemail line where you can send Joe get well messages. Alan is going to burn all these messages to a CD so that Joe can listen to them as he's recovering from surgery. This is something you can do to make the world a little brighter. It'll only take you a few minutes. So please, call 206-202-5179 and leave your support message for Joe Murphy. The number again is 206 202 5179. So, let's get into the more salacious parts of my interview with J.R. Blackwell after these special promos. This is Sand Trooper TD0013 of a different point of view at ADPOV.net, and I need your help. Multiple sclerosis is a chronic, often disabling disease of the central nervous system that generally strikes people between the ages of 20 and 50. Symptoms can range from numbness in the limbs to paralysis or loss of vision. The progress, severity, and specific symptoms of MS in any one person cannot yet be predicted, but advances in research and treatments are giving hope to those affected by the disease. On April 14, 2007, I will be taking part in the annual MS Walk on the Wild Side, which is a 6.1-mile trek beneath the Arizona sun, and I'll be doing it in full sand trooper gear. Armor, helmet, boots, backpack, rifle, the works. I've pledged to raise $1,000 to fight MS. I'm doing my part to help those with MS, but I can't do this alone. I need your help. Now, until April 14th, the producers of this fine podcast you're listening to right now will have a link banner that says, Help TD0013 help those with multiple sclerosis on the front page of their website. This orange and black banner will take you directly to my page on the MS Society's website, and there you can make a donation to the cause. Don't worry, it's a secure site, and I'm not asking for anyone's paychecks, just whatever you can spare. And every penny goes directly to the MS Society, and from them to the research to help those with this horrible disease. From one dollar to a million, anything you can spare would be most appreciated. For years you've heard me talk the talk, now I'm going to walk the walk, and you can be walking right next to me in spirit. Any support you can give would be great. For updates on my progress and debriefings after it's all said and done, keep an eye on my website at www.adpov.net. I'm TD0013. I'm from the Empire, and I'm here to help. Behold! The Internet! My God! It's full of ads! Oh, man! What's going on? Where the hell are we? 
Jeez, that light is bright. Man, where the hell are we? Dude, we're tied we're up. tied up. This is ridiculous. Mr. Sigler, Mr. Hutchins, I got a message from T. Morris. Hey, wait a second. Didn't you whack us in the last promo? Shut up. Ah! The boss is working on a new podcast novel. Oh, yeah, right. Does he even remember how to make one of those? It's been a while. Shut up. Oh. This is Billabub Battings and the Case of the Singing Sword. Billabub Battings? And the Case of the Singing Sword? The finalist from Forward Magazine's Best Fiction of 2004 and the independent publisher's Best Science Fiction of 2005. And whodunit.com describes as Sam Spade, Mickey Splane, and Joe Friday combined with stories of Terry Brooks or J.K. Rowling? Shut up. So if you go to tmorris.com and click on the banner for the Billabub Battings podcast, you can subscribe there. Capiche? Capiche? You, you told, told us, us to, to shut, shut up. up. Shut up. Billabub Battings in the Case of the Singing Sword. Launching St. Valentine's Day, 2007. Find out more by clicking on the Billabub Battings podcast banner at www. .tmorris.com You know, Hutch, Earthcore was a forward finalist in 2006, too, buddy. Shut up. Ouch! Mommy! Good news, everyone. Several years ago, I tried to log on to AOL, and it just went through. Wee! We're online! Depends on you the size of your, your face. Head. I mean, if and your the head size was of small. the breasts involved. I guess if your head was small and the breasts were huge. But like, I imagine that really the optimal way to do it would be to have two women. And then, so to have two women decide at the same time, we should really press our bosoms against Paul's face. I mean, that there is some amount of charmed life. That, you know, you, you all should yeah. know. I started recording. <laughs> five ago. It's. Yeah, I have no problem with this. I don't know why anyone, any male, would have a problem with this. With admitting that many times in your life you've had women press their chests against your face. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and I think I, you know. Okay. This only adds to my manly allure. It does. Well, that women here, want to do this but, to me. But not not just that. Not not denying any part of your manly allure, but. I think it is a feature of geek women, especially. I don't think just like any women on the on the street would be prone to this, but I think geek women are uh, especially uh, secure women, yes. and they're especially secure with their men. So I think you know, like geek women, I think are more. Are, well, first of all, they're awesome because they'll wear a lot of costumes, and I I fully understand that geek women in their corsetry would see you and say, we like Paul, let us together press our bosoms on his head. And he will be happy and we will be happy and everyone will come away with an experience. Yes. And a, a wonderful experience, a very fulfilling <laughs> exactly. experience. Exactly. That they will remember for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Well, and the other thing is, when you're at a convention like this, which is, I imagine, the environment where this happens. Uh, typically, yes. Typically, yeah. Yes. So this is the environment where this happens, and I, I, women of many different shapes find themselves appreciated at conventions in ways that they are not necessarily appreciated outside of conventions. Well, when it comes right down to it, when you... When you make love to a woman, you're making love to her mind. That's true. 
That's a very good point. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, sex with someone that you're really seriously into is a thousand times better than someone who looks pretty but is dumber than a stone. And that's, 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 that's the gospel truth. Yeah, and <laughs> there is no better place to find intelligent women than a science fiction convention. So okay, let us name the reasons why we love geek women, because I, I think this is important. Um, I, I say one we reason why geek women are awesome is because not only will they dress in costumes, but they often come with a full complement of many costumes. Yes. You're interested in schoolgirls? They have that outfit. Y you want some kind of dance of a thousand fails? They have the thousand veils. They will do the dance. If you're, for example, someone who knits your own chainmail as a means of getting back at the women who insist on knitting things while they're eating lunch at the same table as you. Right. Just to weird them out. And you happen to be making a chainmail bikini, geek women will actually consider wearing it. They so will. long as it's been properly lined with Osei silk. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Cold chainmail, pointy bits. No, don't go together. And when you say something like, darling, I'm very interested in seeing this new X-Men movie. She won't say, oh, you're dragging me out to another one of your comic movies. She'll say, you know, I've been reading the latest reviews. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard bad things about the costumes, but excellent things about the actions of Wolverine. And you say, let us go. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's a good situation. It's an excellent situation. You down with ADD? Yeah, you know me. Spherical Tommy by Jack Mangan. Distant explosions dotted incessantly across the screen of stars. The samurai is dead. Tomi was once one of the foremost combat programmers in the universe. Now her time is running out. She occupies a deteriorating clone body on the satellite, right in the middle of a conflict between warlords. One, her former shogun. The other, the murderer of her samurai. Spherical Tomi is an action-packed tale of deception, revenge, redemption, fragmented identity, and the limitations of the human and artificial mind. Subscribe at patiobooks.com. See what made Spherical Tomi the number one patio book. Tomitsu, is it really you in there? In the flesh. Raleigh was a good time. We spent Saturday morning and afternoon with Frank and Alona catching up on life. The words of Hall and Oates' 80s pop song were running through my mind that morning. 
Believe it or not, there's life after high school. Frank and I were best friends in grade school. Now here we are at 40, still friends. I doubt it's a record or anything, but it's certainly out of the ordinary for most folks I know. Most people don't bother to keep in touch when you're hundreds of miles away. Time passes, it's harder to think of an excuse to pick up the phone. The number of people I don't call these days is certainly higher than those I do call. But times change, people evolve, move in different directions. used to make me really sad to see a friend moving away from the path I was on. But I've learned over the years that new friends come along, and that's a good thing. Tastes change, interests change, and people change. I love meeting old friends and finding out what's new with them. By and large, they always have new interests, new careers, spouses, children, you name it. It can be nice catching up, but rarely do I run into an old friend that I really want to spend time with again. It's not a bad thing. They have their life and I have mine. Just because we used to be friends doesn't mean we have to try and make it work again, especially at this point in our lives. But I do enjoy catching up. If I think there's some chance of a friendship there again, I'll make the effort. But more often than not, catching up and moving on again is the way it goes. Like I said, it's not sad, just different. What I do find sad are the old friends who haven't changed or evolved in any way. It's an odd occasion that I meet someone that calcified in their brain that they haven't changed in years. Invariably, they want to rekindle our relationship exactly where it left off, doing exactly the same thing. These are one of the few classes of people I don't feel guilty lying to so I can get out of a conversation and keep moving on. You tell me, am I wrong here? The ADD way is to move on. I've always looked for the next shiny thing down the road. At least, that's my ADD way. What about you? What do you do when you run into an old friend that you really miss? What about an old friend who hasn't changed, or worse, changed their underwear? Well, there I go, injecting humor when I want to be serious. So you tell me, how do you handle meeting that old gang of yours? I can honestly tell you that I had a great time catching up with Frank and Alona. In many ways, Frank is the same as he was in high school but he keeps evolving or maybe refining the core of who he is. I hope we'll have time again soon to visit with them. Saturday evening, we drove over to Murr and Jim's house. We met up with Jason and Ren Adams and Christiana Ellis to play Arkham Horror. This all started out with a New Year's Eve video chat call to Podcasting's Rich Siegfried. You have to say it that way. You just can't say Rich Siegfried. You have to say Podcasting's Rich Siegfried with the whole DJ voice. He lives about three hours away from Murr and Jim, and I knew I was going to be in the area for work, so I yelled, Party at Jim and Murr's! And started inviting people. I should have started by asking Murr and Jim, but I was off like a shot, with my ADD tail wagging between my leg, panting, and my nose was wet and everything. After much conversation, I finally talked to Murr and Jim, and they were cool with everything so long as we kept the head count down. 
there, there actually were a lot of other people that I wanted to invite, but I'm glad that we did keep it small. Martha and I stopped at the local Whole Foods type place and pretty much bought out the store. We bought way too much food for seven people. Uh, we had shrimp and vegetables and hummus and crackers and chips and guacamole and scotch and wine and beer. I think there was some other stuff in there too. Maybe some candy. Anyway, we all piled into Murr and Jim's house and had a really great time. I must thank Murr and Jim a thousand times. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's four. For letting us host a party in their house. They have a very nice house with tons of space. And of course, it's geeked out to the max. Arkham Horror was a new experience for us in more than one way. But first... Let me digress and ask, why must my private parts always become a topic of conversation at gaming events? At our gaming weekends, I like to make large amounts of pulled pork in the smokers on my deck. I have two. One is store-bought, and the other I built using a design from Alton Brown, the host of a food TV show called Good Eats. I spend the week preparing for Saturday dinner, and deliver 12 to 16 pounds of pulled pork to the crowds who decimate it, usually leaving less than what will comfortably fit on a sandwich without feeling lonely. After the first pulled pork event, everyone was unanimously in love with Paul's meat. Now, every gaming weekend, whether we host or not, the point is always made that all of the women love Paul's meat. And, of course, the men love Paul's meat, too. So you can imagine my shock when my balls became a topic of table conversation at Arkham Horror. I don't remember how it happened, but I'm sure it's relating to something that was happening at the game at the time. It might have passed, but the next magic item in play had something to do with shrinkage. After that, the topic of my balls just wouldn't die. I really don't know why people playing games must talk about my private parts. But I would like to offer you this theory. My normal gaming group focuses mostly on competitive games. Games with a high fuck-your-buddy factor are always in style with us. This is the crowd that loves Paul's meat. Arkham Horror, by contrast, is a cooperative game where everyone works toward a common goal. If one of us fails, we all fail, and the world ends. This is the group that focused on my balls. Balls, said the queen. If I had two, I'd be king. My theory is that because my balls work in cooperation with each other, feeling each other's joy and pain, they will be a topic of conversation at cooperative games. But since my meat is used to, um, er, uh, well, you know, fuck my buddy... It becomes the conversation piece at competitive games. Well, it's just a theory. You tell me what you think. Arkham Horror was cool, even though we lost. Murr and Jim have a seriously neurotic dog. Murr talks about her all the time, but it's a whole different level than what you think. This dog won't sit still to be petted and licked my jeans every chance she got. She's very sweet, but seriously wacko. They have a great house. I wasn't allowed into the control room where Murr pulls the strings on thousands of podcasters across the globe. 
They were afraid I'd start pushing buttons. They're right. I love pushing buttons. Fiona is way cool. She speaks amazingly well for a four-year-old. She even pronounces Cthulhu properly, as in, My daddy has two Cthulhus in his office. She plays with dolls, dinosaurs, and aircraft carriers. I bet the Navy wishes they had dinosaurs on their aircraft carriers. Jason has that whole Russian spy look going for him. Must be the beard. I just couldn't help thinking that Jason and Ren would make an excellent Boris and Natasha. They certainly have the looks to pull it off. Christiana Ellis is a trip. Her knowledge of all things geek is encyclopedic. She was never at a loss for the proper geek line to drop into the conversation or the answer to the moment's latest piece of trivia. She's also coming to Balticon, so it won't be long until we're all able to hang out again. Well, that's going to do it for me. I'm glad to be over the norovirus. That's the class of creeping crud I got in Raleigh. I'm up in New York City now for what I hope will be my last trip away from home for a long time. I was supposed to see Jonathan Colton in Brooklyn last night with Jack Mangan. Neither Jack nor I were feeling particularly well. Worse yet, Jack's son, who I think is about six, was going through the norovirus thing. It was really hitting him hard, too. I won't have an update until tomorrow, but when I last spoke to Jack, his son had been vomiting for 19 hours. If you want to know more about norovirus, you should look at the page on the website of the Centers for Disease Control. It's a stomach flu, but you have to put air quotes around the flu because it has nothing to do with the flu. It has an extremely rapid onset and is characterized by diarrhea and vomiting lasting as long as 36 hours. It is extremely virulent and as little as 10 particles of the virus can cause you to be infected. Wash your damn hands. Please, everybody, wash your damn hands. This is an ass-to-mouth spread disease. Wash your hands after going to the potty and use a paper towel to open the door to the bathroom. Maybe we can kill this little bugger. Because I really don't want to go through it again. And if you haven't had the privilege yet, you don't want to either. I'll put the link to the norovirus CDC page in the show notes. Hmm. I could have sworn I said that was going to be all for me. Okay, I'm out of here for real this time. ADDcast.net is the website. Leave a comment for us there. The phone number to call Joe will be in the show notes. The link to TD0013's MS Walk will be on the main page of the website. Email is ADDcast at gmail.com. The voicemail is 206-666-4ADD. That's 206-666-4233. The end music is in honor of the lovely ladies mentioned on this show. It comes to us by permission of George Robb. George made a huge splash at Dragon Con and will be playing at Balticon too. Now I just need to get Jonathan Colton there. Oh, that would totally kick ass. <sighs> George's song today is B3, a.k.a. Brains, Body, Both. If you're not familiar with George's music, you can find out more about him at Geologic Records. 
The link to his website will be in the show notes as well. And now, here's George. Now, one, two, three. Looks to kill. Some girls are born with intimate skill. Some girls are just concerned with fun. Some girls are like an SNL skit. Add a quarter to one. What I need is a two-sided corner. She better satisfy my brain as well as my loins. She better wear a tight dress and have a mind that's strong. I want brains and a body. Is that so wrong? When she shows me her brain cells, then my pride suddenly swells. Like a Botticelli chick, she's on the half shell, but she likes getting nasty like Tori Wells. Brains, my is very good to try and retain and impress, but I also don't mind a vinyl dress, which is what she never has to guess. You may ask why I'm specific, well dumb girls make me soporific, I need a brain and a vibe and a both terrific, like a domain name that's case specific. She's the queen of conversation, a panorama around face the nation, but she gets on all fours without hesitation, and she got the best seat without a reservation. She goes to museums like Whitney to learn about the pigment at the installation. She also knows as Morgan Stern is a figment of imagination. She always puts her as She can make a point like George Surratt. She can choke the chicken like Julia Child. And she knows how to make my ice She knows Effie's iron and Eddie's gold. She got the origami hands that can flex the fold. Love for sale, I'm sold, I'm sold. Boys, don't be afraid of a high IQ. A girl with smarts knows what to do. She reads Masters and Johnson and Kinsey too. Boys, do I lie? It's true, it's true. Brains, body, both. <laughs> Eddie Johnson and have a print with like Emma Thompson. You can use iron ink to cut and slate, and you can have the chunky glasses like Tina Fey. You better like films by Kurosawa. You better stay naked outside the shower. Better ding, dang, dingle for over an hour. Then calculate binomials to the tenth power. Brains by And which one is handle? So baby, put on a dress that barely fits. I'm gonna shake your ass and show me a whiz. Brains, body, ball. Brains, body, ball. Brains, body, ball. 
Butter the underside of their...